0: Daddy, daddy, We are fighting an unseen war, spiritual warfare, where consequences can be devastating. Now is the time to put on your spiritual armor. We continue on our current series as we go further into the Word, exploring the armor of God. Here's Pastor Terry. Paul tells us that as believers we are in a battle, that we are in a war. It's an unseen war. That's been raging for all of human history. You know, we as humans know something about war. In the last 3,400 years of recorded human history, there's only been 268 years that the world's been at peace. In the 20th century alone, over 108 million people lost their lives to war. Jesus told us that war is inevitable. That wars will continue to be because man is both prideful and selfish, until he returns, but Paul says this is a war like another. This is a supernatural war. This is a personal war. Think about hand-to-hand combat war. This is a war that is futile to be fought with regular with regular weapons. that takes spiritual armor, spiritual weapons to defeat in this war. This is a battle. This is a war for your very souls. This is a war that's an unseen war, but it has an ima- unimaginable fallout. The stakes are eternal consequences are devastating. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians 6.12. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, no, 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 but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are in a cosmic clash. God, for some reason we don't totally understand, has given Satan a temporary lease to this world. In fact, 1 John five nineteen says this, We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. For a time, for a season, God, in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, in his majesty, has given a temporary license to Satan. He runs, and we are his victims. We are his prey. We are who he is seeks after. And Paul, in this passage, uses the Roman soldier as an example. He says, just as the Roman soldier, because everybody in Paul's day would have understood about the Roman soldier. Just as the Roman soldier is prepared for battle, does not go in unprepared, you too, we too, as believers, must put on this armor of God. We must be prepared. We dare not go into this supernatural battle unprepared. We dare not do that, for our doom will be for sure. We started a couple weeks ago talking about the belt of truth. That was the first piece of armor that the Roman soldier put on. It was the, it was the foundational uh, piece of equipment. It circled their circumference there. All the other pieces of armor connected to that. The, uh, arm, the belt of truth, we must wrap that belt of truth around us as well. It stabilizes, protects and prevents us from being tripped up in the battles of life. And, of course, what is truth that we learned a couple weeks ago? Truth is Jesus Christ. Truth is a person. I am the way. I am the what? Truth. Truth. Jesus stands before us because he is the truth. Everything that we do, he's the plumb line. He's the guide. He's the garden. He is the only reason for truth. Jesus is truth. John 8.32 says that this truth that Jesus has promised, this truth will make us, will set us, will deliver us from sin, will set us free. Wow, I mean, that is good news. Free from guilt. Who wants to say amen to that? Free from shame. Free from condemnation. That's what's given to you and I. That's what truth gives us. Wow, that is good news. That is good news. I can stand up here. You can sit here this evening free from guilt and shame, knowing that there is a God who loves you so much. That's the truth. Last week we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, that leather piece of body armor that kind of guarded the heart, especially in up close battles. You know, you see maybe on TV or movies when the Roman soldier attacks with a short sword. That body armor, that breastplate, was critical. Well, we have been given a breastplate of righteousness. And you know who that righteousness has been given to us from? From Jesus himself. We have taken the breastplate of righteousness from God and put it on ourselves. It's nothing that we deserve. We have been given that because God loves us so. We are declared righteous not because of anything that we have done, it's unmerited. It's undeserved. You haven't done anything and neither have I. God just loved us so much, he said, I'll give, you, I'll give it to you, and 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 I'll give it to you. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Wow. Can put on this breastplate of righteousness. That can what? Guard your heart and protect your life. All we have to do is stop trying to do it on our own. Stop trying to do it on our own. Put that belt of truth on. Stand on the promises of Jesus Christ. Put that breastplate of righteousness on there. And wow, we are on to the third piece of the armor. Here in the 15th chapter of Ephesians 6, 15th verse, I'm sorry, Paul says this, that, that that we are put on our shoes, these shoes of peace. Paul says this, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. The Roman soldier wore a unique pair of shoes. There was, unlike any other shoes of that day, it was two pieces of metal that were clasped together by brass and by leather, and on the sole of the shoes were spikes that were two or three inches. And they had to be that way so they could stand firm. When, when you are in a hand-to-hat combat, you want to make sure you have a solid foundation. You want to be able to make sure that you stand firm. So for these shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you would be fully prepared. If you go back and notice about three or four times, in those first verses of Ephesians 6, 10-17, this repeated over and over again to stand firm to stand fast, to stand firm. We cannot be pushed around. We have to have the shoes of peace that are foundational and that we can stand firm on the ground. The peace, we're going to put on that peace, Paul says, bindly, tightly, put it on. It means to bind tight. It means to tie that shoe around your foot tightly so that it won't slip off. Ever have your shoe slip off? Ever been walking in the mud or something, and, and your boot or your shoe falls off, and then you're walking barefoot? You can't have that. I mean, if that's the way that peace is attached to your life, I mean, as soon as it gets kind of mucky, as soon as it gets kind of difficult, and you're walking through the muck, anybody ever do that? I mean, the muck of life? Yeah. Does life get mucky? And if you're not careful, and if your shoe isn't tied very tightly, it'll it'll just come off. And then I'm walking in my sock. That's no good. Well, Paul says you have to tie that tight. Tie what tight? Tie the peace that comes from Jesus Christ. Now, Paul always talks about two kinds of peace. Two kinds of peace. Here's the first piece we need to understand about what Paul's talking about. It's the peace with God. Wow, I remember the day when I found peace with God. I wonder if some of you remember that day as well. You know, it was that day when everything seemed to make sense. Maybe you were in church. Maybe you were in a youth meeting. Maybe you were in a concert. Maybe you were talking to a friend. But Everything just seemed to to come down. and, And you seemed to be the very focal point of Jesus Christ. And you knew, and you knew, and you believed. You believed that he was the Son of God. You just, everything came together and you believed. And not only that, not only did you believe, but you confessed your sins. You recognized that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. And maybe you knelt down by your bed. Maybe you knelt down by a chair. Maybe you said as you were driving in a car. But you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And because you believed, and because you confessed, you were made right with God. Isn't that what Romans 10, 9 tells us? If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just. Wow, we would you know, give us forgive us of those sins. That's what it means to be at peace with God. How many of you here tonight are glad that you are at peace with God? There's nothing any greater. Here's what Colossians one twenty says: It says, "And through Him, through Jesus Christ, God reconciled everything to Himself; He made peace with everything in heaven." and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's where peace starts. Am I right? Honestly, if you're here this evening and you have never given your heart to Jesus Christ, and here's what I mean specifically by that, guys. I don't want you to be confused. If you're here this evening and you've never said, Lord, I believe who you say you are. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I know that I am a sinner. And I need forgiveness. If you've never done that, here's what I'm going to tell you: You've never had peace. You've because you see, peace is impossible. Peace is impossible until you make peace with God. Peace is impossible in our lives. Well, you know that to be true. Who here has some stressful days? Who here wonder? Who here likes even likes the word peace? It just that word just sounds good peace but you know honestly if you have not made your peace with God you've never known what it's like to be peaceful so we thank God you see God is a holy God this is the important part and God understand here at church because this is so true cannot tolerate sin We recognize that right God has to judge sin and all of us are sin and because of our rebellion that sealed our fate years and years ago your selfishness, my selfishness your rebellion, my rebellion an eternity separated from God but God couldn't bear that the word tells us that in Romans 5.8 but God demonstrated his great love for us in that what? while we were still sinners Christ died for us died for you and died for me this peace with god is a spiritual condition all of us can have all of us can joy if we just surrender our lives to him and here this evening you know what's so cool about this evening is that there are so many of you who can say amen brother amen it's the greatest peace you will ever find oh it doesn't solve all your problems but it solves your biggest problem It solves your biggest problem. in that you know for sure where you are going when this world is through. And guess what? Each and every one of us have a date with the end. No one escapes. No one escapes. But there's a second kind of peace Paul is talking about here. It's the peace not with God, but the peace of God. The peace of God. It's a protective peace. It's a peace that protects you from worry, from anxiety, from fret. Now, you don't have to be honest here, but in your minds, do you ever worry? Do you ever have fret? Ever have anxiety? The peace of God is God's response to that anxiety, to that worry, to that fret. When you are walking with the peace of God, the enemy's assault, they can't affect you. That's why Paul says we're to put on, not the peace with God. Oh, he already, he's talking to believers. He already recognizes we have that. He's telling us here in this passage, the 15th verse, to put on the peace of God. The peace of God. Because here's the truth. We can have the peace with God, without having the peace of God a lot of people have the peace with God but they don't live their lives with any peace of God their peace is full of worry and stress and fret and that's not the way, that really is not the way God intends for his children to live oh I understand and we're going to talk about it. it's not easy but here that's what paul's talking about this peace of god this peace in Scripture is about passes understanding a supernatural peace a peace that enables you to do what you cannot possibly do on your own in the middle of chaos in the middle of worry in the middle of fret you can have peace because it doesn't come you don't generate it yourself it comes from god and from god alone it comes from recognizing that he cares about you One of the greatest things God wants you to know is this, that he is for you. So much of the stress, so much of the junk in our lives is because we're not positive, we're not convinced, we're not persuaded that God is for us. Because if we were, if we knew, we'd have more peace. And I tell you, I have to raise my hand there too. I have to raise my hand there as well Colossians 3:15 says this, "And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart." I love that. Rule in your heart, the peace that comes from Christ. Recognize this: It's not a peace because you don't have any issues. It's not a peace because you don't have any problems, it's not a peace because you don't have any stress. No, it's the peace of God that comes from Jesus Christ. You know, that word rule there actually is used to portray what an umpire or a referee might do. The peace of God can begin to call the shots and make all the decisions in your life. You could actually translate it like this. Let the peace of God umpire your life and actions. Let the peace of God referee your emotions and decisions. Let the peace of God that comes from Christ rule, dominate, control your life. It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about a peace that comes from Jesus Christ alone. Isaiah 26, 3 says this. It gives us one of the keys. It says, You will keep yourself in perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I will keep you in perfect peace. What? If you keep your mind on me. Remember many times I said before, the Bible is full of if-then statements. If, then, if you keep your mind fixed on me, then I will keep you in perfect peace. If you do this, then I will do that. But boy, are you with me? That's hard to do, right? That is hard to do. I I mean, these things, honestly, they're easy to talk about on Saturday night. They're hard to put into practice throughout the week. You know why that is? Because there are a lot of good things in this world to be worried about. There are a lot of things in this world to be stressed about. But the believer who stands in the Lord's power and gets his peace from Jesus Christ himself need not fear any enemy. When the attack comes, because we put on our shoes of peace, we are firmly planted Jesus promises this in 1427. This is what he says. I am leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. Who wants to receive a gift from Jesus? I mean, man, I wish he'd come to my birthday party. That's what I want, a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. I mean, honestly, isn't that awesome? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give so don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus says, I've come to give you a gift. I've come to give you a gift. I've come to give you a gift. It's my peace. Wow, I want that gift. I want to put that gift on. I want everything about that. So no matter what may come our way, no matter what, what can happen to us, we can come. Kind of, what Paul says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? The battle has been won. The victory belongs to the Lord. Whatever our issue is, whatever our difficulty is, and I know sometimes the news that comes is overwhelming, and we begin to worry, and we begin to stress, and we begin to doubt. But if we can learn to put on these shoes of peace, once again, that come from Jesus, wow, that will make all the difference in the world. Paul says again in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says these words, Don't worry about anything. Imagine the absurdity of that statement. Honestly, don't worry about anything. I mean, that just sounds crazy, doesn't it? But he doesn't stop there. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Now, here comes another one of those if-then statements. If you do that, then, verse 7 says, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can, I love this word, right? Exceeds anything we can understand. We can't even understand where it comes from. How can he be so peaceful in a time like that. How can he be so calm in a time like that? How can that possibly be? Well, we can't even understand it. His peace will look at this, guard your hearts. Remember that breast prayer righteousness? It'll guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Ooh, that's good news. That's good news. It, but here now, here's the tough part. The tough part is, as believers, and we know this is true. As I said earlier, so many of us have this peace with God, and we know our, our our future is assured. We know we're going to have. We 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 know for sure. But we don't live with the peace above God. Now, two reasons. Here's the first reason. The first reason is that some of us, some of us who even have peace with god we've pushed this peace of god away through rebellion and neglect we spend no time with him he isn't our top priority we never open his word we rarely spend any time with him whatsoever we try to live as close to the world as we possibly can we want to be just like the israelites we just want a king we just want a king we just want to be like everybody else And we wonder why we don't have that peace. Remember, if you keep your mind stayed on me. If you keep your mind stayed on me. But then there is a second thing. And we in the church have to address this. This is when others who are following Jesus Christ, others who love him very much, who are doing everything they possibly can, man, they struggle. I I read this week a letter. It's from a pastor in St. Louis who actually committed suicide because of his depression, because of his overwhelming aloneness. Here's what it said. It says this, God, forgive me for not being any stronger than I am. It feels as if I'm sinking farther and farther into a downward spiral of depression. I feel like a drowning man trying frantically to lift up my head to take just one more breath. But one way or another... I know I am going down. Here's how he signed it. Yours in the name of our blessed Lord, our only hope in life and death. A pastor who believed in Jesus Christ, who preached grace, who comforted others, who preached the gospel of hope, wound up losing hope. How can that be? How, how does that make sense? Well, honestly, some of that stuff is too complicated for me, honestly. But here's one of the things that we need to know. Sometimes we in the church, sometimes we, we teach that being a Christian and being depressed or being overwhelmed doesn't go together. Sometimes we preach and we teach that, you know, that if you just do everything right, everything will fall into place. We sing worship songs that have this in their their words. In his presence, everything, all of our problems will just disappear. Well, do you know Jesus never promised that? Jesus never promised that. You see, the truth is this: when the real world hits... That peace of God I'm talking about is really, really hard. Even when you love the Lord very, very much, and guess what, Church? That's why we have one another. That's why we gather together on Saturday nights, because when I am down, I need you. Lean on me. We sang earlier. When you need me, I need to be there so you can lean on. So that I can, you can lean on me. You see, God knew that this peace of God, even as wonderful and awesome as it is, it's downright hard. And through your life, if you walked with Jesus very long, there have been times in your life when you have had mountaintop experiences and then it's felt like the Holy Spirit was right there with you. And there have been times, if you've walked very long, there have been times and you just wonder, Lord, are you even there anymore? And you feel like you're hopeless and without despair. And if you are alone, and if you are not a part of another group of people or someone who comes along and supports you, it can feel absolutely hopeless. And it's time for us as a church to say, we have to get past those false ideas. We need the incredible peace of Jesus Christ, but we need one another when those going get tough. I need you to remind me, you need me to remind you about the peace of God peace of God the note went on to say this he says that if I was to share with anybody about my depression I would lose my ministry people don't want to be pastored, taught or led by a damaged person (coughs) you know the truth is we're all damaged. We're all damaged. We are all damaged goods. You're damaged and I'm dead and damaged. There is none of us that's not broken. None of us. You see, well, here's what Jesus promises us. And this makes us say hallelujah because in our weakness what? He Is strong. In our weakness, he is strong. You know that God uses damaged people to do good things? Did you know that? Did you know that Elijah felt so beaten down that he asked God to take his life? Remember that? Did you know that Job and Jeremiah both cursed the very day they were born? David was oftentimes just pulling his hair out, writing psalms that were just anything but 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 enthusiastic. They were just they were just crying out. God uses damaged people. He always has. In all the centuries, great men and women of God have been people who have been depressed and have had a difficult times because this peace of God is not easy. It's not easy. We need to be people who support one another. We need people who encourage one another. We need people when someone comes and they share. You know, we need people that refer one another. Hey, Christian counseling, it's a good thing. It doesn't mean you're a weak person. You should take advantage of it. It's a good thing. Whatever is needed, Christian counseling, I'm all for it. Go and see a counselor. It will help you. And God will use it and bless it and honor it as well. Let's become a body of believers that truly can sing, Lean on me. I'm going to be there for you. I'm not going to judge you. Where We can come to one another and we can say, Wow, I can bring my very heart to these people and they will still love me. You see, God has, can you imagine this? God has chosen to bring truth, beauty, grace, and hope into a world even if we are the damaged people. You know, when you are flat before God, begging for help, you know what? That's exactly where Jesus wants you to be. Remember, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Here's what Matthew eleven, 20 to 30 says. Many of you know this. Matthew 11, 20-30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest, you will find peace for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Isn't that what you want to hear when the world all around you speaks of chaos and anxiety and worry and stress and fret. Take my yoke upon you. What is Jesus saying? Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Remember this church. Whenever Jesus talks about we never do it alone. We always seek out Jesus and He's always given us one another. They go together they really do we have a chance as we replant Sawgrass Community Church we have an opportunity as we begin again to be a church of prayer to be a church that looks after one another to be a church that leans upon one another be a church that's determined not to judge one another we have that opportunity to really make a difference in people's lives what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The peace of God, Paul says, put those shoes on because, man, you're in for dark days. You're in for dark times. Can you imagine the kind of letters that Paul would write if he was alive today? I mean, the peace of God. But at the same time. We saw the letters that Paul wrote in a time that was very wicked and very dark. And he said, You can't do it alone. It's a supernatural fight, it's a personal fight. And you cannot use conventional weapons. So tie the peace of God on tightly. Stand firm. Stand firm with the truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Stand firm. Paul Grass Community Church, let's be a body that stands firm. No matter what is taking place around us. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you so much for the truth of your word, Lord. We know, Lord, that this peace that you give us, first off, Lord, we thank you so much for the peace we have with you. I I, I don't know what we would do, Lord, if we didn't have that peace. But Lord, we long for the peace of God to rule in our hearts, as Paul told the church in Colossae, to rule and dominate our lives. We need you, Lord, more than anything. That supernatural peace that permeates all of our understanding. But oftentimes, we're going to need one another too, Lord. So help us here at as I pray specifically for Sawgrass Community Church, those believers here in this room right now who call Sawgrass their home, may we become the people of God who care about one another, who lift one another up in prayer, who support one another, who are there, who believe the best about one another, never judging one another, always believing the best about one another. I thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word. May it cut to the core of who we are. And in these times of turmoil, in these times of doubt, and in these times of stress and fret, Lord, we seek that peace that only comes from you so that it can rule and reign in our heart. And we give you praise, Lord. We just want to say, Lord, we'll trust you. We'll depend on you. Even when the world around us tells us we're silly. Even when all the evidence around us points in a different direction. We're going to keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. We're going to keep our trust in you. For you are the way, and you are the truth, and you are the life. And no good thing, Lord, will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. Thank you, God, for being our son and our shield. God, we just give you all the glory and all the praise that's due your name. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen.